So if you're anything like me, you do a lot of your online shopping, well, a lot of your shopping at all on Amazon. So if this is a case for you and you're looking to buy something anyway, if you go to our website at tensandaces.com, near the top of the page, you will see an Amazon banner ad. If you click there, prior to making a purchase on Amazon, it will open up your Amazon app just like normal. Or if you're in a browser, go to the Amazon webpage just like it would normally if you were to type in amazon.com. The only thing that's different is that because you click through our referral link, the Tens and Aces podcast will get a small little commission on whatever you buy. It doesn't cost you anything. It's just a good way to support the show and show your love for TNA and, you know, help cover some of the cost that it costs to make this thing. So remember, if you're going to buy something on Amazon anyway, go to tensandaces.com, click the Amazon banner, and then you're good to go. And you're helping out something you like, like this podcast. And it's a win-win, win-win, win-win-win. Oh, and why I got you here, thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. Now, enjoy the show. Anytime you can do something that's fun, you like to do it and make money doing it, hey, it's a win-win-win. And anytime you can win-win-win, you're win-win-winning, you know? If you're just winning or win-winning, that's, that's just winning or win-winning. But when you're win-win-winning, you're win-win-winning. Pick one of these losers in Las Vegas who keeps thinking he's going to come up with a way to win at Blackjack. Are you ready for some TNA? Welcome to TNA. The Tens and Aces Podcast, a podcast with true-to-life stories and experiences from advantaged players in the game of blackjack. From pros crushing it and making a living counting cards, to newer players who are just making their way through all the ups and downs of what can be, at times, both an equally frustrating and beautiful game of AP Blackjack. Is this the kind of thing you want to hear? Well, listen up, because we're about to give you some TNA. Here's your host... Mike AP. And welcome to the show today. As the man just said, I'm your host of this transmission of our experiment in imaginary radio that we like to call TNA, the Tens and Aces podcast. So if this is the kind of thing you want to hear, well, listen up because we're about to give you some TNA. So with me today is Smootha. How's it going today, man? Yeah, it's great to be here. It's doing well. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So um, how many hours do you have so far? Yeah, I've played roughly 650, uh, maybe 670 hours or so. So the thing that sets you apart even further than that is that you did this pretty much all at one shop, save a few trips here and there, correct? I would say it's about like 90, 95% or so, all at the same place, yeah. Wow. So let's just do a little origin story and background and uh, go from there. Yeah, so I, a long time ago, was in Vegas and it was like, Ooh, people do gambling in Vegas. And I uh, knew the rules of poker and I went and tried playing some poker. And then where I'm at now, I looked around for a poker room, started taking it very seriously and studied all the game theory and and got really bored because lots of times when I got there, I would have to wait like two hours for a seat, which was really frustrating. You yes. can only call in an hour in advance. And I was sitting in the casino and I was like, you know, there must be something else that I can do while I am waiting for a poker seat that isn't just objectively losing. And I have the classic story of, oh yeah, I remember the movie 21. I wonder if card counting is real. And I stumbled upon Blackjack Apprenticeship, uh, watched all the videos, didn't buy a subscription, but learned how to do it, did some back counting and tried it out for real. And then it was uh, all from there. Still, I still played a lot of poker and still do play some, but way less now and did a lot of blackjack. Yeah, you see a lot of poker players on blackjack tables at, at properties that have poker rooms and blackjack. A lot of times they'll give them like a little buzz 
shows or like you might get in a restaurant if you're waiting for a table, you know, a lot of times they're, they're terrible blackjack players just firing away, trying to make another buy or they come to, I've seen them come to the table trying to take a small amount of money enough to get another buy-in at the poker table. Right. Poker is yeah. fun to me now because it's like a PVP game, but mm-hmm. now that I'm, you know, betting multiple buy-ins on my max bets, it's the money isn't very important to me for poker anymore. Yeah. Right. So where did you go from there? Part of what makes my experience unique is I am definitely not a full-time player and I uh, have a full-time job. I work as a programmer and mm-hmm. I kind of have a limited bankroll in that, you know, I don't have a certain amount of money that I definitely don't want to lose. If I really am having like terrible swings, I could refill and stuff like that. But I never had to really face that problem because I ran really hot at the beginning. I also ran really hot before I knew what risk of ruin was. And in hindsight, I think I was playing with somewhere around 35 or 40% risk of ruin. I basically just kept slamming this six deck using a pretty insane spread of one by 25 to two by 350. Yeah. And I basically just kept playing that more or less forever. Now, very recently, after like 400 hours or so, I, I finally started to change it only because my bankroll grew enough and I started to understand EV enough where I started to play a uh, double deck that's in the high limit room and has a $50 minimum. I guess the thing that makes this experience all really, really different is even when I had already played like 10 hours, I didn't really understand that being unrated was important. Yeah. And because I was betting so much, every pit boss and dealer very quickly learned my first and last name and what I looked like. So I tried to kind of drop playing rated and it just totally didn't work. Yeah. Um, Once they know who you are, it's pointless. Yeah. Yeah. They wouldn't ask for my card anymore. Oh, I also joined the Discord server and I talked to many full-time pros about both the properties I was playing at and the location I was at and what they think I should do about the unrated versus rated. And pretty unanimously, they were all like, yeah, you got to stop playing there. Like you're going to get a database and chopped at other properties in the same chain and whatnot. And I kind of, mainly because I don't, I'm not full-time and I don't know if I really ever will be. I kind of said no. And I kind of just kept doing it. And now it's been, you know, 600 more hours and $70,000 later. And I, I guess I'm glad that I did but yeah, I don't know. So over what time frame is that? Yeah. So being a, being a, having yeah. a nine to five also, you know? Yeah. I started just back in early or late January, I guess. So it hasn't really been that long, but. That's um, significant time out on the yeah, tables. Yeah. Yeah. I say I play roughly, uh, or at least I try for 20 or 25 hours a week as much as I can. And I go for four, four or five times a week just after work from, you know, maybe six, six thirty to 11, 1130, sometimes later, like 1230, one, one depending on the dealer that's there and whatnot. That may help with your longevity if you like, you, you know, you're legit coming off of work and you might mention casually about your shitty day you had at work or whatever. You sound more like a, you know, average Joe gambler who just comes gambles a lot versus, you know, AP traveling around. That's your job. Yeah. And to even bolster that further, the, I know four or five APs now, I say four or five because one of them, I don't really even know. He said he right. was, but hard to say. They came through and I think the longest one of them lasted was one of the full-time pros on the Discord. He He's a buddy of mine. He, he knows who he is and he lasted probably 16 hours playing two by 700 max on their six deck. So like, obviously the stuff that I'm doing is making an impact or else I would be gone. But I think that a lot of the sort of social manipulation stuff that I've been diving deep into, it's always, and I guess this is a curse of the counting world uh, in general, It uh, it's very tough to say whether it's actually working or not, or whether you're just mm-hmm. getting lucky or not at who's looking at you. Like, for example, well, maybe I got reviewed one time and the guy doing the review did it wrong and said, oh, he's not an AP and then they never looked. Right. That can definitely give you a, uh, especially if you're only playing at one shop primarily, right. that can 
give you a uh, longer leash for sure. But I'm one who the best part of my game is also the social um, social engineering part of it. And, you know, I just talk constantly when I'm at the table. I don't look like I'm counting. My girlfriend who knows I'm counting has mentioned that it doesn't look like I'm counting. So, and then like, yeah, she's like, were you even doing that? And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, of course I was. She's like, it didn't even look like you were. You know, that's because that's part of my game. So, you know, right. somebody who literally knows that's exactly what I'm doing can't even tell. I mean, right. I mean, she's right, not right. an AP or anything herself. Um, I'm sure you could tell what I was doing, but you know, um, still she knows, she knows that's what I'm doing. So anyway, it seems like the, the, the casinos where they're not very sharp, the more it starts to matter. Yes. Like I, I have this vivid experience of this one pit that the only shred of heat I've ever gotten here was this pit that came over, looked at my huge bet and then came and whispered something to the other pit and picked up the phone. And it could have even been fake heat, but um, I left shortly after out of the interest of longevity. And I now look back and realize that that was the one pit that at that time didn't really know who I was, didn't know my name. And I had never talked to them and asked them about, you know, what they like to do away from work and stuff like that. And I, I can tell now that probably had a big impact on how they decided to treat what they saw at the time. Right. Uh, and it, it also, some shops, it, it varies shop by shop, property by property, chain by chain, you know, whatever, market by market, even shift by shift and floor by floor. Some places, though, they just really sweat people who are playing rated that they don't know. So that'll right. draw heat on people big time. Right. So sometimes playing rated gives you a longer leash, uh, but then you are, of course, in danger of being database. But that's not the end of the world. Most of us are database anyway. Right. It's difficult to say also, like when I'm, I, I try to play like ultra rated where I aggressively kind of make sure I have a conversation with every pit when I'm playing and like um, ask about their day and stuff. And I know that at this shop, all back offs, or at least the five of them that I've now seen have all been initiated by the pit. So I'm sure at some shops, as mm -hmm. in the pit did something, initiated some process, told surveillance, and then that ended up escalating to a back off at some point um, mm -hmm. when I got kind of the detailed breakdowns from all the, from all those people after I got their number. Yeah. Um, versus the yeah. surveillance that called the pit down and said, you know, watch this guy or whatever. We noticed this or so if it's coming down from the surveillance, your social engineering on the floor is not going to really matter much. Yeah. And in fact, I, I just, this happened pretty recently, maybe like 50 or 60 hours ago. I had a experience in the high limit room where there was a dealer who was making a procedural error where during double deck shoes, I could actually spread from one to two hands mid shoe and back again, kind of as I pleased. And mm -hmm. she went on her break and I was like, oh, don't she left. And then she came back and I did, I tried doing it again. And she kind of whispered to me, you know, you were not supposed to be doing that. And I was like, oh, oops, uh, sorry, I, I, I didn't know. But she, the thing she said right after was, yeah, the people up there are watching really closely. And I was like, wow, okay. So the people in surveillance are watching my game. Watching hers. Almost like a hawk. Yeah, watching hers like a hawk. Yeah. Which was shocking to me because I know all three shoes right before that had gotten up to max counts. I basically only played max bet shoes with her. So they basically must have watched or at least glanced at all of that, possibly even the more enlightening example to me was when there's a stand 17 table and there was a dealer who hit a soft 17 and it ended up benefiting me. So I said nothing, but that happened one hand and the, the same thing happened to him where he went on his break, he came back and he told me about how somebody came and on his break told him that he hit a soft 17. And I was like, wow. So that means they didn't just glance at his table. They were watching every hand mm -hmm. and they noticed the one hand where he accidentally hit a soft 17, which wow. that's just crazy to me because that must mean that I have some kind of either 
either pass on the surveillance people and they would they stopped looking at me a long time ago or they don't look at it at all and it's up to the pit's discretion mm-hmm. i guess or another another variable might be uh, that they know what you're doing and don't care well maybe that's not an option because you said you know five other ap's that got backed off in way less hours um what i was going to say though is some places have uh, like lifetime win thresholds like maybe 100k or something where right. they'll just they'll tolerate you for a long time they can maybe you're just a uh ploppy on a streak because you know it happens and especially on other games like baccarat right. or something like that or, or craps we're going on a streak where you're up 60 grand if you bet big probably isn't an uncommon thing but the fact that you just said a few minutes ago that you know five other people that got you know way less than 100 hours less than 50 hours um before they got the back off in less than 20 in some cases that kind of negates that point yeah it's tough i also i used to take rat holing very seriously back when mm-hmm. my ev was closer to like 125 or like 100 dollars an hour that's like mm-hmm. pretty approachable to take that much green off the table and i'm sure that the table even would find that to be an appropriate i guess tray difference however you would put it shrinkage or whatever yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. sure um but like now it's there's just no way i mean now so now because i make no mistakes the game i i the way that i approach the game now is much more you know carefully selective in terms of game like for example sometimes in the high limit room there's a 100 minimum double deck game and if i know that cut i know as a fact is going to vary hilariously wild especially for the double deck dealers um even more so than the six deck dealers one and three quarters maybe yeah say again sorry it's going to vary from like center cut in the double deck to one and three quarters or yeah something like that i definitely had experiences where i was like holy shit like this better not be a a hand that i'm going to get four splits on because we're for sure going to run out of cards if i look at my spreadsheet and i know oh this is the dealer that cuts super deep like i'm going to play with a quote-unquote 10 percent risk of ruin for two reasons one i know that i'm not going to play this way all the time so if i average it in with all my other sessions maybe it'll bump my minimum bet up from 50 to like 55 and two like i said before if i really have to and i have a horrible session i can just pull from my main income as much as i would try to avoid it like i don't approach it in terms of can i play this game for a thousand hours it's more it's way 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 more in favor of how favorable are the game conditions right now and where you got majority of your hours is it a local shop for you part two that question is how far away are the other local casinos or their clusters are they playable games if you lose this shop, are there other options that won't require you to travel significantly to go play? Yeah, there's like a, a three-hour minimum. Definitely would not be optimal if it happened. I could take and have taken trips to these places that are, you know, somewhere three or four hours away. And they've been great. And one of them I did with a teammate. And the games were great. But it would be really bad if I got backed off here. Let's put it that way. Uh, I'm assuming that means it's a chain. So there's, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll keep it general. <laughs> yeah. But uh, in the meantime, you have, I assume, massive comps to travel around that chain, right? Yeah. So my max bet these days, if I'm doing the one off session where it's, I know that the risk ruin is unreasonable, it's two by a thousand, and my normal is two by 600. And I've got pretty good comps. I got rooms in Vegas, I guess, whenever I want, as long as I can fly there, which is nice. I haven't actually explored that many. I think I've been to 12 casinos now um, and played blackjack at almost all of them. So I don't really know where else 
I would play. I, I think that I would care the most about like not necessarily like a weekend trip where I play four or five hours, but somewhere where I could actually overcome like multiple N zeros. Um, basically, whenever I'm playing a game these days and I can only play some kind of fraction of an N zero, it is frustrating to me because it doesn't really feel like advantage play at that point. It doesn't really feel like getting in a ton of hours. It feels like I'm just kind of being a gambler and hoping to get lucky and like having positive variance for this one session and sort of flipping the 55% coin one time and praying it lands on heads, um, right. which is like really not what I'm interested in. And it's tough because I also don't want to have to go like travel around and like take a bunch of weekend trips and whatnot. So yeah, that was yeah. kind of a long answer. No, I, I totally get it. So if you work full time and you play, you said, what, 25 hours a week or so on average? Is I would say on average, it's probably closer to 20, but yeah. Okay. So you must be a single guy <laughs> with no kids, right? Yeah, or, definitely no kids. I am engaged, but she's doing medical school. So I'm doing all this on the side because she's got to work really, really hard. Yeah, for for a, for a while now. So you should have a uh, <laughs> a long leash to go and do your AP. Yeah, right. <laughs> they work long hours anyway, even they're full time. Uh, yeah, 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 definitely. Doctor. Yeah. So obviously she's a smart person. So she must understand the math. Yeah. At the, at, at the start, she was pretty skeptical. But then I was like, we both have pretty in-depth the statistics backgrounds and when you show somebody oh like this is just the the most classic example of a normal distribution with a mean and a state like it's just the most basic thing ever and yeah. you have to play lots of hours to uh, increase the sample size and increase the t-score and like as your sample size gets higher and higher etc cetera, etc cetera. i mean right well y'all go through this but you know she gets it now yeah so maybe having a you know someone who's smart enough to be going to med school is a plus originally i was thinking man she would be uh thinking all i don't know what i was thinking but that makes sense the way you just explained it because yeah. totally understands this very this game is the math is really simple actually so if somebody who understands statistics and yeah. how things work and even in her uh, she deals with that in her the medical field because you know you're talking about percentages of this and you're making this choice for a patient because of you know this here's the statistical odds and this is why we're making this choice and the factor in things like their age and their their background and their uh, their family histories and all, all kinds of things like we have to factor in things so right it's not the same or in what we do is not nearly as important but there are similarities to, to that sure. yeah one thing i i mentioned the other day that i that i'd love to reiterate that i think it's maybe a hot take um is i think that risk of ruin is like a really it's a nice introduction into kind of the realm of ev and understanding risk and how it relates to your bankroll and bankroll building and uh i think that it's a great starting point but i definitely think it's a bad ending point and i think that people misuse risk of ruin a lot to kind of avoid doing something or it'll limit their play a ton with the, I think the classic example being somebody who goes and plays $20 an hour with 1% risk of ruin on some six deck with maybe like 1.25 decks cut off or something. Sure. Uh, and they feel very happy and comfortable with that because their risk of ruin is 1% and their N zero is 300 hours. And what they don't recognize is if they were to go play a 10% risk of ruin more than 1.5 Five penetration double double deck, even if they're playing with 10% risk of ruin, because the N0 is going to be so short, they'll be able to find out if they need to resize really, really, really fast. Right. And if they do need to resize, that's great. You should resize. When yeah, you say right. like play with 10% risk of ruin, there's nothing intrinsically wrong with that as long as you immediately recognize that one really bad, you know, standard deviation and a half below outcome should probably mean that you should resize. Right. Um, it, it, the risk yeah. of ruin is obviously, you know this, but I'm just going to reiterate it for someone listening who may not know. Um, 
that that is assuming that you play until you, all your money's gone with the same bet spread, same everything that you started out with, that you calculated your RR with in the first place. And that's not how it works in the real world. You resize your bet as you get, if you get slammed, your bankroll gets slammed significantly. So to your point, I agree completely. Well said. Yeah, I guess I, I could never imagine giving up an incredible amount of EV just to get like two, three, four percent of risk of ruin back. I guess it doesn't. And I know that let's imagine I don't have the pressure of somebody being somebody who's full time with a truly limited bankroll that I really can't afford to put any kind of pressure on because that's my livelihood. But I would encourage people to look into stuff how like playing with a half Kelly bet or a full Kelly bet, just the quote unquote optimal right. playing strategy. That's not going to be half a percent risk of ruin. That's not going to be 1% risk of ruin. So when you start optimizing for these things, you're not going to be playing with that low percentage. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I think you're right to say that ROR is a good starting point to get you to understand risk and how it's relative to your bankroll and all that stuff. But you can't be pedantic about it. You have to evaluate things as they come and things aren't black and white. And so that's a very good point you bring up. Hey, this is Colin from Blackjack Apprenticeship, and my biggest regret when I started out as a card counter was that I didn't have the tools I needed to succeed as a professional blackjack player. Because of that, I basically spent the first 500 hours of my career with a losing game and insanely high risk of ruin. Well, I've spent the last decade building out at blackjackapprenticeship.com the resources you need to not make the same mistakes I did, like the training tools to get a perfect game and the software you need to put together bet spreads and to scout casinos and network with other advantage players. Learn more about what our membership has to offer by going to blackjackapprenticeship.com. What is Budweiser? It's bright, the look of perfection. It's crisp with ideal flavor. It's clean for a great finish. It's pure, made with the finest all-natural ingredients. It's the smooth, flavorable result of beechwood aging. Bright, crisp, clean, pure. This is Budweiser. This is beer. Hey there, listeners. This is Mike here again. I just want to tell you a few things that are going on relating to the show. First off, we started a Facebook page called Tens and Aces Blackjack. On there, we can post threads on the episode. People can leave comments about the episodes and other stuff relating to the show, as well as general blackjack and AP-related discussions. We've also recently launched the tensandaces.com website where you can find all kinds of good stuff relating to the show on there. If you'd like to reach out to the show, you can do that by emailing us at tensandaces, the number 21 at gmail.com. That's tensandaces, 21 at gmail.com. Or you can call the show's voicemail and text line at area code 518-289-0478. That's area code 518-289-0478. And last but not least, I'd like to thank all the people who donated money to help supplement what it costs to produce this show. Thank you. It is greatly appreciated. And if you yourself are feeling generous and you feel like supporting something you like, like this show, that would be awesome if you could throw a few bucks in teenage direction. <laughs> but if you don't, we still love you anyway. It's all good and no worries. But if you are so inclined, you can accomplish that at our website, tensandaces.com. Let's click on support the show. Now, back to the show. What have you learned 
playing blackjack, that mean AP that has uh, filtered over to your your regular life, your non-AP. Yeah, that's a great question. I think the it's the ultimate test of not basing a decision based on the outcome. How like everybody will always kind of say, well, if you did something, you'll never really be able to tell if the decision was good. You kind of just have to look at the outcome. And then AP is the total opposite of when I lose five figures in the day, I have to like, it's the ultimate test of can you really step back and be like, oh, well, I know that I made the right choice. I think that it was kind of the ultimate test of that for me. And that helped me a lot in my daily life or like even at work or something, if you do something and the outcome is bad, the only thing that I will place emphasis on is my decision making at the time and sort of the resources I used at the time. AP has like a nice element of being a very easy example of that. The elements to justify your decision at the time are very simple in the fact that you are just factually winning by playing the game. You don't have to really argue it. It's just a fact that you're playing with an advantage as long as your game is perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, So it has a nice combo of the swings are insane and they really do test how you view outcomes versus decisions. But the justification for the decisions couldn't really get any simpler. I think it also taught me a lot about how uh, how far being nice can get you oh, yeah. um, and like being super amicable and nice to people is just like has helped me so much at the tables even like the one pit boss who knows that I'm a card counter and lets me do it anyway like that is literally just a product of me being super nice and like us having awesome conversations together and like and they, the dealers that know I'm a card counter and will choose to let me do it anyway that's just like all a product of being a nice guy yeah if you were a dick they would like I'm gonna get this dick <laughs> I don't yeah, want this guy yeah. I don't want to have to deal with this guy and we're getting rid of him that's true now they're just like, well, we're gonna we like this guy. He's not hurting my bottom line, my paycheck. So until I I have to do my job, I'm just gonna pretend I don't know what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> the pit boss who knows, I that spawned out of a conversation where he is a trans man and we live in a state where that must be really hard mm-hmm. uh, because the area we're in is like very, very red. Without getting into the actual issue, uh, the the opinion irrelevant, me just like empathizing and recognizing, like, wow, this is a really hard place to make that transition. I think that conversation like single-handedly led to as soon as he picked up on it and basically let me know like i know what's going on here like oh really it's the last hand of the shoe that debt composition must have been really good for you to start splitting tens like when he said that to me and then kind of winked like i knew that the reason he's okay with it is because he thinks i'm a nice guy and like say like hey how's it going like when i walk in and stuff like that and it would have been a very different story if i had one never made a conversation with them and two uh not had been not nice on it because you knew he was a trans man right yeah that's uh i mean screw people like that dude i mean let people be whatever they want to be that's why i feel that's what i think too anyway so what's something that you wish you could have told your younger self yeah so i think that there's stuff that's like really obvious that like i think i played 10 maybe 20 hours where my game was like not perfect i think at one time i like dropped the count late shoe and like was like oh whatever it was a running 12 like i'm sure it'll stay that high for the rest and it was also the excitement of the first time doing it in a real casino and that i now realize obviously that was a big mistake there was maybe 20 or 40 hours i think the first 40 hours i didn't play with any of the the standard deviations i think i would buy insurance at three and i would you know stand on 16 at positive running counts but i didn't do anything like uh doubling doubling eights or splitting tens or uh, 12 14 12 versus 14 or, yeah yeah basically any of them that are yeah. on the standard chart and yeah um it evolved over time i got those pretty quickly and i also 
wish that I had picked up some of the expanded deviation charts more quickly, like doubling soft 20 and doubling soft 19 and stuff that um, just like all little things that lost, I'm sure I've lost lots of AV over time now. Mm-hmm. Um, so like little things related to my game, the bigger things were probably, I I don't even know if I, if I could go back and just reset every, if I would start over and I would try to do it all. Because I remember I joined the Discord and the first conversation I had with somebody, it was, holy shit, you need to stop playing here right away. You are threatening your entire AP. And it's just interesting because like the two guys that I talked about this are some of the, they're like legends on the Discord. So it's it's interesting to me to like think back to those conversations and try to come up with an answer of like, would I change this now? Did I just get lucky? If I started over, would I do it all the same? Mm-hmm. I honestly, I, I don't know. I think I would have. I think I would have probably gone back, tried being unrated for a while. But now I know. Now that I know, like how much everyone knowing my first and last name by heart and like saying what's up when I walk in has like benefited me. We'll see. I will. I'll make a long post when when eventually this all blows up because nothing lasts forever. Eventually it'll all blow up. Sure. I'll, I'll uh, make sure to tell the story. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's great. I thought of one more really important thing. I would go back and tell myself also some of the conversations that I've had with pit bosses now. So like for example, I've gone out and I asked the table games manager directly. He t- he asked me like, "Hey, why like why do you play so much blackjack, man? Like you're gonna you're gonna lose a lot of money over time." And it was when we were the it kind of flowed organically from when we were talking about poker and how I've been winning a lot of money on poker. And he was like, "Oh, but yeah, but then you come and play blackjack." And I was like, "Yeah, I like the comps and like blackjack's pretty fun." And he asked me like, "Do you know how much you've been losing playing blackjack?" Oh. And I was like, mm. "No, I don't." was really treading on uh, eggshells here because obviously yeah. I have access to my win-loss record. And that conversation actually ended up going to us reviewing my win-loss record together. And at least back then, I don't know if it's the same now, I haven't looked at it in a while, but we reviewed my win-loss record together and he noted that I had lost a bunch of money. Yeah, you were rat hole at that point too, right? So, yes. Yeah. And like the fact that we had that like frank conversation together, or now that I've had so many just straight up conversations with dealers and pit bosses about like, what do you think about card count? What do you think about card counting? What would you look for when you were like trying to catch a card counter? Obviously you can never ask these things out of the, out of the gray, but I think I would, I would go back and tell myself like, you should have way more forward conversations about card counting about dealer procedures, about casino procedures, about surveillance, et cetera, yep. et cetera. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop the show. I just want to stop the show and say that obviously Smoothie here knows what he's talking about, but this is pretty much all one shop where he knows everybody and all that kind of thing. Until you know the situation, it's probably best to not talk about card counting at the table. But I do know what he's saying, but I just wanted to clarify and have this little disclaimer in there. So anyway, back to the show. Like if you see somebody talking on the phone, an easy example is like you can make an organic conversation where you lead up to what do you guys always talk on the phone about? And like I found out after like probably halfway through my career that almost all the time when they're talking on the phone, they're looking at another pit across the casino and they're making eye contact. And if I had known that it would have helped me, it would have helped alleviate so much of this like soft heat that I thought I was getting of like, oh no, they're on the phone, but oh. none is never a problem. And I should have just asked like, what are you talking about on the phone? I'll be yeah, the organic way. Yeah. And get information out of them when it's clear that you're talking about somebody else or like you know like if you're asking about card counters it's not you're asking about yourself you're asking about in general so you you know it's like you just talking to him as a buddy about something else you know and so yeah plus you know a lot of times when they're on their phone they're someone's calling them hey i'm ordering a pizza do you want to go in on it you know (laughs) (laughs) nothing to do with us (laughs) yeah i think when i uh when the best way of like talking about those questions or framing it is like everybody loves 
talking about themselves. Everybody loves talking about their yeah. job and their work. So like saying, oh, that dealer over there seems like he, you know, takes pr more pride in his work. And like a pit boss replied with like, yeah, he, he actually like prides himself in trying to catch cheaters and card counters. And I was like, wow, okay, don't play with that dealer. Got it. But like simple mm -hmm. stuff like that, you can just ask them straight up and the, the amount that they'll tell you remarkable. Yeah. And it, at least he differentiated between card counters and cheaters. I hate when they lump us together. Yeah. 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 But yeah. That's true. You can kind of social engineer that. Like you said, everybody wants to talk about themselves. Start with uh, family. You know, there's lots of things, you know, you can talk about sports, you can talk about all kinds of things. And then at that point, yeah. that guy doesn't care or, or lady doesn't care so much about what you're doing because they're busy thinking about whatever you're talking about. Yeah. Right. I think the last thing I would tell myself too is related to the, the couple of team trips that I did. We did two of them together and we played pretty significant numbers of hours. I think we've only played like 90 hours on a shared bankroll total, which is not like super, super long, but we ended up deciding we didn't really make a plan for what will happen if we play vastly different numbers of hours than each other. Uh, we should have made that plan from the start. And we what we ended up on was we'll each take 25% of our either profit or loss, uh, or sorry, if it's a loss, we'll just split the loss 50-50. But if it's profit, then we'll each take 25% of the profit. And then that middle 50% will be distributed proportionately depending on how many hours somebody played. Um, sounds pretty fair. We done that from the start. Yeah, that sounds really fair. Um, yeah, that's uh, splitting banks like that, not an actual team, like on a team where there's like a team manager and, you know, basically your employees is different than splitting banks, you know? I don't know. It's, you better be really good friends with that person. <laughs> right. And trust them. Yeah. It's and trust, and trust their now. game. I, I'm sure he'll go and watch this episode. Like, we definitely both trust each other's game. But, like, it's so funny that we were more or less just acquaintances. And we had a ton of trust in each other right from the get-go. Because, like, I would never do this because I'm not a piece of shit. But, like, I could have just said oh, hey, like, oh, yeah, I had some bad variants and lost 3000 bucks and just put $3,000 in my pocket. And, like, he never would have known. And, like, mm -hmm. I know he's probably going to listen to this, and I'm telling you now, I obviously didn't do that. But, like, I just, there's so many things with team play where people could cheat your teammate out of it and they would never know. So you really better trust that person. Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, when money's involved, things get, even if people have the best of intentions going in, sometimes they can get bad. Right. And I know personally two APs that I know that are actually both good friends of mine that no longer speak because of a situation relating to sharing a bankroll and splitting it just like you just said and there was a misunderstanding and right. so you know now they don't talk and the one guy just texted one of the parties just texted me yesterday for example he said yeah i ran into xyz at abc casino and he completely ignored me now that he hadn't seen him in months since then could at least say hello you know but you know and they were good really good friends before that long-winded uh, comment for me here uh just be careful who you do that with and be willing to accept he may lose a friend if misunderstanding happen yeah yeah that, that's a very good point you bring up there do you have anything you would like to say or share or do you have any fun stories or i guess you haven't been backed off yet so <laughs> you don't have a back off story the, i've been backed off from like four just from the places that we've traveled um, oh, okay and the only like funny stories are one of them i got countermeasured one day on one shift and then i just went back the next day on a different shift and played until i had to leave i think i played like 12 or 13 more hours all in one stretch and nobody cared so don't be afraid of like going back if you get countermeasured and then 
then the opposite of that is I got countermeasured at one place, uh, went to the next casino over and greeted at the door. Hello, sir. Uh, are you blank? Uh, yep. We're just going to save us some time here and let you know that if you try to play blackjack, we're going to shuffle after every hand. Yeah. Yeah. Which, uh, I don't know. Part of me like wants to like actually just do it. <laughs> You're going to totally ruin your, your, their EV on that table, but it, they're not going to, but then again, they're not going to do it very long. They're just helping yeah. that you leave, make their job easy. And then you're good to go. Plus, you don't want to, you don't want to, um, you don't want to piss them off if they had already databased you or, or not databased you. Um, pissing them off is not going to help <laughs> in that regard. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then other than that, I think the last thing I'll say is that like my advice for a new AP is you should talk to as many and listen to as much advice from people who've been doing this for a lot longer than you, myself included. But also like, don't be afraid to, you know, make your own observations, trust your own intuition. Like if somebody says all of these things about a certain shop and then you start to notice that, oh, wait, that's not been true in my experience, then, you know, it's okay to start uh, questioning information that's out there and, you know, adding in your own observations. It's not like everyone's at every casino all the time and these casinos change a ton over time. On one of our trips, we played for 40 hours at this one shop and on another one, we got countermeasured within two hours and fired right. to the entire city and couldn't play anywhere after four hours. So like, it's, there's a lot of luck involved and, you know, don't, don't be afraid to shake up what other people have said about a certain place because it definitely has benefited me an incredible amount definitely that, that's a good way to put it yeah so one incredible situation that me and my teammates trip that we found ourselves in is we were in the casino on a really busy friday night and i think that there were six or seven card counters there hey what yeah. Um, I couldn't believe what I was seeing, but I had just kind of met and recognized all of these people that we had either met on a previous trip or that I had met in another area and we all had just traveled there at the same time. Uh, I hope that card counting doesn't get totally drowned out by lots of people joining it, but that was a really weird and freak situation. And that also happened to be the trip where we got fired and couldn't play in the whole city in less than, literally less than five hours. I It's crazy how many people were there. They didn't end up getting backed off really fast. I guess we kind of got like picked off per se. That was pretty insane. Or I found one uh, game, whole card game, and that ended up getting burned really quickly because the dealer got capital F fired. I, I don't know if it ended up being specifically because of that. I mean, it could have been for anything, right? That was pretty wild. One of the nights where I won an incredible amount of money, I had a dealer get like really genuinely mad at me when he had previously like been a buddy buddy with me because I wasn't tipping. I, I think yeah. that if you tip, like always view tipping in terms of your EV and like if you tip five or ten percent of your ev for that night like okay that's totally fine obviously that's going to vary person to person but that dealer now i know he's a great dealer and has great pen and the rules are great so that's the one dealer that i should be tipping for sure other conversations that i've had with pit bosses have been pretty wild like the one longer conversation that i had with the pit boss that knows i'm a counter his partner also works in the same casino and he talked to me about how that partner noticed that i literally never tip even though i'm betting more money than like 99.9% of people in the casino. And I just like had an open conversation with like, yep, this was all kind of in code because, you know, we're really right. very careful to talk about this kind of stuff. But I was like, yeah, you know, the edges are, are really, really thin. It's it's super difficult for me to do anything. And like that pit is also dual. So he's dealt to me before and has seen me lose incredible amounts of money. And I, I you know, so like having frank conversations about that, I just never thought I'd be talking to a pit boss who knows that I'm a card counter, chooses not to report me anyway about like why I can't tip. I'm just like, 
what is this kind of alternate reality? Like, what am I, right. am I living in a simulation here? Like, what the hell is this? <laughs> right. That that must be having that situation when he's, he's your floor. Um, that must be like liberating. Like you can like, yeah. you can just sit there and relax and do your thing. I mean, of course you still gotta be, you gotta be a little bit incognito, but you know, but yeah, yeah, that, that must be yeah really freeing. Yeah. The conversations that I had with the actual casino manager were pretty interesting. And anytime he passes by, he says like, Hey, what's up to me? Yeah. Just like, I think that the stories from like going all in on being raided, like I, I, I guess I'm a supporter of if you're going to be raided, don't hold anything back. Like you should be ultra raided unless you have information that specifically suggests otherwise. So unless you have information that the people in surveillance are totally disconnected from the pit and you know that they're going to review your play. So you would get that information by hearing if that casino has done back offs where the pit was completely uninvolved. But um, right. yeah. Well, sorry to say that's going to be our show for today. Special thanks to Smootha for coming on. I'm sure we'll have him on again. Anyway, I will see you down the fell. Head to tensandaces.com. Are you serious about becoming a Blackjack Advantage player? If that's your plan, then listen to the real pros first. They will tell you to test out and hone your skills before risking your starting bankroll. Check out the Advantage Player Refinement Program, offered exclusively by Archimedes21.com. The A21 APRP will tell you if you're ready. Until then, look into becoming an investor in Archimedes 21 and start earning right away. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had stop hiding and start living with tequila tequila may not be right for everyone women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila however women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it side effects may include dizziness nausea vomiting incarceration erotic lustfulness loss of motor control loss of clothing loss of money loss of virginity delusions of grandeur table damage
dancing headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and make it twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. is a major factor in dancing like a retard. may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at 4 in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! Maybe I'll go down to the track, put it all on a horse. Why don't you put it in the bank? Bank? This is found money. I want to parlay it. I want to make a big score. Oh, you mean you want to lose it? (laughs) 